It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Now we can get real, real. Admit you made a mistake. How often do you do that? Never. Never. It's not the Cornette family credo. Oh, please. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Shea Cornette and Jordan Cornette filling in for Canty and Carlin, but lucky us, Chris Canty, host of this show, joining us now on his own show. Uh, first of all, admitting when you're wrong, not a thing between us two. Canty, you're now a married man. You know this can't be thing that happens often in your house either. Oh, no, I'm the first one to raise my hand and say I made a mistake. That's the only way that my wife is going to let me out of the hook. So I, I've realized <laughs> when she takes issue with something, just admit that you made a mistake. Even if you don't necessarily see it her way, just admit you made a mistake for the sake of being able to move forward. That's it. It's all about being able to function forward in my household. And so if my wife says I made a mistake, then damn it, I made a mistake. It's what hey, it is. Canty, I'm keeping it all the way a buck. It was performance art out of the gates. I know that all too well, my brother. I speak the same language as you do. I am quick to pull the trigger on. My fault. Got that one wrong. Let's put it in the rear view. Let's keep moving forward. Also, shout out the Tony Rally points being given to Canty right there. I, know, I, I heard uh, that. I was like, love that from the TV on? Um, Okay, so uh, you're laughing. We're happy. Lakers won last night. Let's they go. beat the Grizzlies. Now, John Morant did get hurt. But nonetheless, are you basking in the Lakers' glory over there? Oh, for sure. I, I mean, say if John Morant can't play on Wednesday night, I don't see how this series ends up being a long series. Think about it. If you're talking about John Morant being out for game two, then it's hard to imagine that AD and Braun don't smell blood and don't take two from the Memphis Grizzlies, not only stealing home court advantage, but talking about being able to wrap this series up in short order. I'm not saying it's a sweep, but we could be talking about this thing being over with in five. And for an aging core of players like the Lakers with, with their two stars, I mean, that, that could be huge for them in terms of getting ready for the second round of the postseason. So, as a Lakers fan, I am ecstatic today about what I saw in game one. Shea's 22-year-old sister, who's set to graduate from IU here in about a month, her favorite line with me when I do something right, she goes, Jay is him. That's what she tells me. I am him. That's what all the kids are saying <laughs> nowadays. And one of the boys on your Lakers squad, Austin Reeves, was shouting that after getting yet another bucket in that decisive win down the stretch in Memphis. Austin Reeves, one of those others for the Lakers. How high uh, or how much do you believe in this supporting cast, similar to the, the supporting cast in 2020 that led to a title. Where does that confidence lie in these other guys? I, I got a lot of confidence in them, Jordan, and it's not based on any one guy. It's based on the totality of it. You've got a lot of guys that have the ability to step up on any given night. Think about the playing game against the Timberwolves. Who wasn't in the second half? It was Dennis Schroeder. Yep. Well, I mean, last night, Dennis Schroeder gave the Lakers seven points. In 20 minutes. So, I mean, you're thinking about this. Like, you got 29 from Rui. You got 23 from Austin Reeves. D'Angelo Russell is capable of going off on any given night, giving you 20-plus. You got Malik Beasley, who's been in a shooting slump, but he's a guy that can get hot really, really quickly. So, you've got guys on this roster that can step up 
And based on the space that the Lakers now create on the court by being able to have knockdown shooters with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis, two stars that can tilt the court, I just think that it creates a lot more opportunities for guys to get better shots, especially in half-court sets. Now, the other thing that we have to acknowledge is the Lakers' ability to be able to dominate on the glass and to be able to lock down defensively. Seven blocks from Anthony Davis, that's huge. Anytime you can have rim protection like that and anytime your guys can press up on other players from from the Memphis Grizzlies, like Desmond Bain and, and Dylan Brooks, think about this. Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks combined for 11 of 31 from the field. Anytime you can play that kind of defense on two of the top three scores from the opposing team, I, you know, I, I, after the John Morant injury, you're going to give yourself a chance, and that's exactly what the Lakers did. So I know a lot of people will focus on – having four players to go north of 20 points in a playoff game for the first time since 1988. But to me, the overwhelming story of game one will be the John Moran injury and the Lakers' ability to defend and rebound. Shay, keep in mind, Canty, as well, that Desmond Bain, you talk about the inefficiency shooting it. This is a guy in Desmond Bain who shoots about 50% from three in his playoff career. So you're talking about a guy having to overextend himself with all the absences, adding the star in John Morant there. Now Desmond Bain isn't getting the looks he's accustomed to, has to force some things, and becomes wildly inefficient as a scorer. Gets over 20, but how he does it is not the ideal way. All right, we'll see game two in just a few sleeps. Chris Canty joining us now on his own show on Canty and Carlin, Shea Cornette, and Jordan Cornette filling in uh, for the guys. All right, so Jordan made this bold statement, Canty, and I want to just see where you – lie on what he had to say. He said he thinks Kawhi Leonard is the most, what was the word you used? I'd say, depending on how this series goes, could be the most important player in the NBA playoffs. Most important player in the NBA playoffs. Agree or disagree? Completely agree. Could not agree more. I'm struggling to figure out what was the most impressive aspect of Kawhi's game. Was it being able to score 38 points, being a mid-range assassin? Was it playing over 41 minutes? Was it shooting better than 54% of the field? Or was it holding Kevin Durant as the primary defender to Take that no shots in clutch time? Take that last one. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't – but that's the thing, though. I don't know. And so, based on that performance, I think it's fair to say that Kawhi Leonard is back to being the best two-way player in the entire NBA. And what we're seeing, once you get to the postseason, if you can get stops, if you can defend – and you got a guy that can create his own shot and can get shots for other guys, then you're going to be hard to beat. Couple that with the fact that Ty Lue is a masterful coach. Think about the, the guts that it takes to stick with Russell Westbrook after he starts out with a 3-for-15 shooting night, ended up 3 of 19 from the field, but made huge defensive plays and huge plays on the, offense, uh, on the, on the, on the glass down the stretch. Like I just think that this Clippers team is a really, really dangerous team, especially for – a team like the Suns that hasn't had the on-court time with Kevin Durant being a key cog in what they're trying to do. I think this is going to be a really, really interesting series, a really competitive series, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers found themselves on the winning side. And, you know, I feel like so many people, us included, looked over those Clippers, forgot what Kawhi could do, and, man, did he show us in a big way in game one. Speaking of game ones, uh, we threw this out to the callers earlier, Canty. What do you think? Which team had the most impressive game one win? Now we've seen all the game ones. Series are kind of set. We've got all the feel-it-outs out of the way. Um, Most impressive game one win. What do you think? How could you say it's not the Kings? How could you say it's not the Kings? That was a team that everybody wrote off 
going into the postseason. Oh, they're just happy to be here. Sacramento's had a 16-year playoff drought. We're not really buying into them. All they come out and do is win a closely contested game that had 24 lead changes, 10 of which happened in the fourth quarter. You're talking about a game where nobody had a league bigger than 10 points. I I just thought it was a tremendous back-and-forth game against the reigning defending world champion Golden State Warriors, a team that has championship DNA, obviously, uh, a team that has championship aspirations, a team that's not really playing a true road game because they're only a 90-minute ride from where they play at in, in the Bay Area. So I, I I just thought that that was a really, really impressive performance. And De'Aaron Fox down the stretch, I, I mean, this guy is one of the best clutch time performers in the entire NBA. I mean, he dropped 38 points, which is tied for the second most in an NBA playoff debut uh, and, and just the way he was able to go about his business. I think it was 15 of that in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it's just an outstanding performance from him, an outstanding performance by that team to be able to look Golden State in the eye and make game-winning plays at the, at the critical moments. I, I just thought that was the most impressive performance overall. And I'll say this, just as a fan of basketball, sign me up for six more of those games like mm. we saw Saturday night. I'll take it. Well, you get one tonight. I I take them. You get one tonight. Golden State and uh, Warriors and Kings tonight. It's a 10 p.m. tip, so drink a lot of coffee. Say that with excitement. Shay's Uh, in that Charles Barkley camp, and I feel you, Shay. 10 p.m. tip. These late tips are are doing a disservice to a whole lot of people. I got to talk to someone about that because it, it ain't right. Oh, we got Karen. Anyway. Karen over here wants to talk to the uh, manager, Canty. You relax. Canty. You relax. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. wants to talk to the manager. <laughs> Stop that. Uh, Chris Canty with Shea Cornette, Jordan Cornette here on Canty and Carlin. All right, let's switch gears. Let's go to the NFL now, Canty, because big news today, Jalen Hurts. He gets paid in a big way. A uh, lot of guaranteed money coming his way, $255 million over a five-year span. Uh, broad, your reaction to this, well-deserved. What do you think? Oh, congratulations to Jalen Hurts and his family. This has been a long time coming for a guy that's made four and a half million bucks through three seasons in the National Football League to get $255 million to become the highest paid player in NFL history based on average annual value. Kudos to him. Now that we got that out the way, I absolutely hate this deal. I absolutely hate this deal. I understand why Jalen Hurts had to sign it because it's a ton of money to leave on the table. And you do have to incur the risk of injury if you decide that you're going to play out uh, your final season under contract and try to get to true free agency. But, guys, when you look at the practical guarantees, when you look at the signing bonus, Mm -hmm. both of those are less than what Kyler Murray got a year ago. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the NFL salary cap went up $16 bucks this year. I I just – I don't understand that. Now, he did better than Kyler Murray in terms of true guarantee at signing, only by $7 million, even though he was a year later. Uh, but I, I just I don't think that the full no-trade clause and, at first blush, the overall structure of the deal and the amount of money in the deal uh, is something that's commensurate to a player of Jalen Hurts' talents and what he means to that franchise. 
So, Kenny, why does it happen? Like, I I tried to, again, we're only speculating on my side of this thing, obviously, but I said, you know, this is the same guy who was benched in the 2018 National Championship at half. Tua steps in, shines, and in the postgame, he was nothing but a class act saying Tua's got the it factor. Didn't look like a guy who was benched in the biggest game of his career. Looked like a guy who saw the end game, was like, I'm going to wait my time, my number will be called, and I'll be a star again, and he was. Is any of that play a role in a guy deciding to take, it's crazy to say, lesser money? Money, but as you laid it out, it truly is lesser money. Yeah, and, and you know, Jordan, I was sitting here thinking about that this afternoon. Like, why did he sign this deal? The timing of it seems, you know, awfully strange given that we're days away from the NFL draft. But when you consider where the Philadelphia Eagles are at, they've got two first-round picks, one of which is in the tide the top ten in a quarterback-rich draft. I mean, it's not hard to try to connect dots and say that maybe the leverage for Howie Roseman might have been the potential to jump up and take a quarterback and decide that they're going to draw a line in the sand when it comes to what they are willing to pay their quarterback. Now, it seems crazy for a guy that's runner-up in the MVP (laughs) race, but when you think about the mistake that Howie Roseman made just a few off-seasons ago with Carson Wentz, you can understand why the, the organization would say, we are only going to pay our quarterback a certain amount of money based on the salary cap that's available to us. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't like the deal for, for what, in terms of what it means and the precedent that it sets for these other young quarterbacks, but I can understand why Jalen Hurts would decide to take the money and get locked in as the quarterback for the Eagles. Now he gets an opportunity to get another bite at the apple uh, before he's 30 years old. But I'll say this, man, signing up for a five-year extension, so that means – adding his last year on his current deal to the five years that he just signed up for. You're talking about six years, $259 million, $43 million a year. It just seems a little light for a quarterback that had a hell of a season um, this past year and took his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's take it through the lens of the Baltimore Ravens who loom large in the conversation because of where they stand with Lamar Jackson. If Deshaun Watson drew ire and vitriol from a Ravens front office uh, as they looked at how the executives would have to handle it, given that contract with that level of guarantees, then they have to be this Ravens front office looking at a deal given to Jalen Hurts and say, Ah, this is more like it. Now we can get back to the table with Lamar Jackson and maybe we can get closer to getting this done. Isn't that how this thing kind of looks from the Ravens' uh, purview? Uh, I guess you could you could look at it as a win for the Ravens, but Lamar has been so principled throughout all of this. I, I don't know why he wouldn't continue to be resolute, especially with two quarterbacks that are still yet to get their deals done in Joe Burrow, who's your guy, and, and Justin Herbert. Those franchises have started contract negotiations with those players. And, guys, I can guarantee you, they're not going to come in under what Jalen Hurts got from a guarantee standpoint, under what Jalen Hurts got from a signing bonus standpoint, or under what Jalen Hurts got for average annual value. So if you're Lamar, you know that. All you got to do is sit back and wait. So that's interesting. Like, this, this, I didn't even those, think about those that, two, those, two, those two guys are in different situations. Think about Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow were top six picks. Those guys got $30 million or more off the ripper with their rookie contracts. They can afford to wait longer than Jalen Hurts. And so when it comes to the whole leverage dynamic, I think it's a completely different situation with those two quarterbacks than what Jalen Hurts found himself in. And if you're Lamar Jackson, you're saying, I'm closer to where those guys were at in terms of what I mean for my franchise than where Jalen Hurts was with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I, I get where – 
people would argue that this gives the Ravens more leverage. But to that, I would say, you know, the Ravens without Lamar Jackson, guys, we've seen it. We, We know what it is. It's a team that will be relegated to the worst team in the AFC North if Lamar is not under center. And that is Lamar's ultimate leverage. Now, see, Canty, you coming into this uh, segment here on your show had my wife excited to be talking to you, and just like that, <laughs> she is now angry because she's tired of talking about this Lamar Jackson Ravens situation. We thought this would lead to it getting handled sooner, but what an astute point from Canty. That's why he's so great at what he does. This might create an even longer waiting I game. Can't, Canty, this is like Dak Prescott all over. Like I'm so done with the contract conversations with Lamar Jackson, and the fact that it's gone on this long to me it is just so unfortunate, and it's just it angers me. I know we have to talk about it. Well, as part Shay, of our job, but... Shay, Shay, I'm upset too. Here's the problem: it should have never happened. happened. I agree. All the Baltimore Ravens had to do was pay him after the 2020 season. Before he had won an MVP by then. He had won a road playoff game by then. They were in the playoffs each of the first three years he's been the starter, including one year where they were the number one seed. There was nothing left for Lamar to prove. Mm-hmm. And Preach. you didn't have I to agree. contend with the Deshaun Watson contract as the precedent. So I think Eric DaCosta screwed this up six ways to Sunday. And now we're going to have to deal with the ongoing ramifications of that. And if you're sick of talking about it now, you're probably going to be sick of talking about it in July because I think that's where we're headed in terms of how long this thing drags out. And you know what? Look, you know better than anyone. This is a franchise I feel like we constantly talk about always doing things the right way. We always trust their decision-making. This Again, you know better than anyone. Can we still say that, given the way this has been messed up so bad? No, we can't. We can't. And, and, I, and I said this on Get Up a few months ago, and I'll, I'll continue to say it. Eric DaCosta is no Ozzie Newsom. He's just not. Yeah. And, and as a result, you're, you're going to see some of this instability with the Ravens. And the worst part about this whole contract dispute with Lamar is the message that the organization is sending to the rest of the players in that locker room. If you're a homegrown talent, if you're drafted into the Ravens organization and you exceed expectations, which by and large is what Lamar Jackson did because he was the last pick in the first round and he became a unanimous MVP in year two, they are going to fight you tooth and nail in order for you to get your money. That's not the message that you want to send the guys that you draft into your organization. And the Ravens have built championship contending teams. They have built sustained success through the draft. So yeah. the message that Eric DaCosta is sending to not only Lamar, but the rest of those players in their locker room is, even if you play well, you still might not get paid. That's the problem. That's a huge problem. Well said. That's Chris Canty, host of this show right here, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Canty, thanks for the time, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thanks, brother. I uh, appreciate you guys holding it down. See you later, buddy. That's Chris Canty. You can hear him right here, 3 to 7 Eastern weekdays on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I promised this maybe an hour ago, and now we're finally going to get to it. Jay will on KD. We'll do it next. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not 
not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Canty and Carlin rolling right along here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Shay Cornette and Jordan Cornette filling in for the guys here. We're in the midst of, midst I can say now, right? Kind of the midst mm-hmm. of the NBA playoffs. No, we're in the thick of it. We're in the thick of it. <laughs> well, I mean, um, it just started, but it feels like the Right? <laughs> the playing makes it longer. I don't know. Um, and last night, the Clippers, I think, surprised some people. Kawhi Leonard scored 38, and the Clippers, I mean, they took care of the Suns from start to finish, it felt like, and beat the Suns by five. 115-110 was the score. Durant had 27 points for the Suns, which is is good, but could have been better. And so that leads us to this segment. They said, what? They said, what? What? I have to believe one and one is three. I I can't can't, uh, operate where one and one is two. They said, what? What? (laughs) Uh, um, Speaking of they said, what? Our dear friend, Jay Williams, uh, co-host of KJM in the morning. You can hear it right here on ESPN Radio. He had this to say about Kevin Durant's performance last night and the Suns' loss to the Clippers. The Suns aren't going to win a championship. They're not even going to come out of this series unless Kevin Durant is the aggressive Kevin Durant that you need him to be 24-7, 365. It's not a switch on and off, right? Look, he didn't score in the first 10 minutes of the first quarter last night. Did not score. No, that can't be the case. Kevin Durant, right out of the gate, he needs to come out and take 10 shots, be aggressive. In the last five minutes of the game, in the last five minutes, he didn't take one shot. One shot in the last five minutes of the game. You heard him talk post-game about, well, I was in the corner. You know, I was waiting for the ball to be kicked to me. No, I don't want to hear that from Kevin Durant. Demand the ball. I get that Devin Booker and CP3 are more ball dominant. I get that this is not the same continuity style that you had at Gold State, but there gets to a certain point in the game where Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. He is really him. Austin Reeves is yelling, I am him. Kevin Durant is really him, but you need that mentality the whole game, and you didn't have that from KD in a quiet 27. I love it. (laughs) First of all, anytime my man Jay Will gets passionate, you know, I love it. I'm all in. That's my guy. And he makes a great point. What he didn't mention is what is a big part of this conversation is, Shay, who was the guy checking Kevin Durant in that scoreless third quarter? Who was the guy checking Kevin Durant down the stretch at the end of that game? Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard, who had 38, was it 38 points in this game, I believe? 35, 38 points? 38. 
Kawhi Leonard had 38 points. And why Kawhi Leonard is the first place I go in this is because those two are going up against each other. Stan Van Gundy even said this at one point in the game, and I was like, yes, feeling the exact same thing, Coach Van Gundy. He said, what I want in the playoffs, give me the two best players that are also assigned to guard each other. That will define who the better player is in the series and will ultimately define who goes ahead and maybe wins the series. Game one, Kevin Durant, I will give him somewhat of a pass because he's getting a feel for his teammates. He played eight games. Let's be honest, a meaningless eight games. Some rosters resting guys, some guys injured. They were 8-0 in down-the-stretch basketball, which didn't really define anything for that group. First playoff game, Kevin Durant said, I need to figure out where I get my points from. I'm playing with other stars. Let me acclimate before I dominate. Cool. You get one pass there. But we're coming into game two here, and you've got Kawhi Leonard without Paul George with a lesser first five, probably a deeper roster with the Clippers. But if Kawhi Leonard once again goes head-to-head with Kevin Durant, bests Kevin Durant, then I just can't go with this. He's the greatest player in the NBA. He's the greatest player on the planet. Look, Kevin Durant has an elite set of skills. He's unbelievable. I marvel at a seven-footer that can do the things with the basketball he can. There is no question right now to me that he's the most talented player on the planet. But you can't have Kawhi Leonard, who's also one of the most special players we've ever seen, one of the best two-way players we've ever seen, get the best of you in a series. Not when you're being sent to Phoenix to be the savior, to deliver Chris Paul his title, to help him finally get to the promised land. That can't be repeated. Kevin Durant must be better than Kawhi Leonard in Game 2 and the remainder of the series. And maybe, though, we talked a little bit about this with LeBron and the Grizzlies and all the things, but, like, maybe this was Kevin Durant just kind of getting acclimated a little bit. Like, he had been undefeated so far, right? With the, But I'm just, like, adding to your point. He had already been undefeated in his play with the Suns. We get all that. But he hasn't been in this kind of environment, if you will, with that with with that team. So maybe that adds to it. Okay, I want to go back to the Paul George thing because I was looking this up. That's probably why you're just repeating what I was saying. Because you're looking it, it up. Right. That's fine. Thank Go you for ahead. calling me out. I don't do that to you. Yes, you do all the time. I don't do it to you I over the you. airwaves. I do it to you. I'm just angry show. I found out how much money you said on our son's, our son's birthday cake. I, you're doing way too much right now. And okay. I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to battle through this. Okay, segment. we'll <laughs> battle through this segment during a commercial all break. the eyes. You give me the eyes okay. over here. Not uh, the good ones. Anyways, this is Shay and Jordan Cornette. We are married. We don't just yell at our co-hosts like this, uh, filling in for Canty and Carla. Anyways, I wanted to talk about Paul George because I was reading about Paul George that he is likely going to miss this entire series, but he could be back for the next series. So, Jordan, if they can get – if the, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but if the Clippers can get out of this series with the Suns and they get Paul George back – yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just then not, you have, but we can't entertain that yet. Not when we both sat here on our Sunday show and said we think the Suns can represent the Western Conference. We can't go that quick yet. And I'm never going to be a guy that that reactionary in a first game of a series. Kevin Durant is the ultimate wild card. How he elects to play moving forward in this series will define everything. But he has to take this. Kevin Durant's really good at this, Shay. Mm-hmm. Deflecting. Uh, my legacy doesn't matter where I go. Deflect that. I don't need to win this. Deflect I don't care what the pundits think. Deflect that. That's fine. But rooted in all this, us as athletes, former athletes, current athletes, you're rooted in competition. And when you see somebody on the other side that challenges your talent and can be the one standing in the way of you achieving greatness – then the, the other thing clicks in. That other part of the drive clicks in, and the cool guy deflection stuff is gone. Forget the narratives about the media. 
This is about competition, and Kevin Durant can't allow Kawhi Leonard, a guy who's won multiple championships, to stand in his way when they're guarding each other, when they're playing against each other directly in this series. So to me, for Kevin Durant to adjust, got to play with pace. There's a couple sequences you'll see in that game where he gets that ball, he acts quick before that defense congeals, before it settles. He beats the defense off of reactionary, get it, make a move. He can't be tentative. Look, I loved the third quarter of the five assists. But I'm never going to love, along with what Jay Will said, a scoreless third quarter, a scoreless first quarter. These are starts to halves. You cannot have that from the piece that's supposed to be what the piece was with the Warriors that led them to a title. Kevin Durant is there to take over, not to blend in. Fair enough. And I listened to every word he just said. Did you see me looking right in your eyes? Okay, don't get petty. I didn't I didn't miss one word. I hang on. I hung on. Every word uh, okay. he just said. Every okay. single one. Uh Clippers okay, back in that's Phoenix. What we're doing. <laughs> Clippers in Phoenix to face the Suns Tuesday night. It's a ten PM tip, so don't worry, I'll have to have four different coffees to stay awake for that game. Uh this is Candy and Carlin on ESPN radio and the ESPN app. Uh coming up. More pressure on the Warriors. For the Kings. Warriors. To win game two. We'll talk Come about it next. out and play. Yay. It's Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. He fires, he misses, Bones with a rebound, and Sacramento has won game number one. After 17 years without a playoff experience, they have risen to the occasion. Once I saw the roster that was that was being built, I thought that we could be really good, and I think that took us a while to gel together throughout the season, but at the end of the day, I think we're a pretty good team right now. It's a long journey, and we just got to keep taking it one step at a time. Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. See, I like working with my husband. Shay Cornette and Jordan Cornette here with me. But you are, like, you're up, all up in my grill. <laughs> Get out of here. Sorry for being in love. 
He's like, we're wrestling. This is a nightmare. We're wrestling. We're wrestling. Uh, Okay. Uh, NBA playoffs are in full swing. We can say that now because we've already had the plan. We're in it. All the things. We've got more games going on tonight. Brooklyn is in Philadelphia for game two. Of course, Sixers lead that series 1-0. Kings up 1-0 on the Golden State Warriors. That's a 10 o'clock tip. just kill me with these tip times. They're, they're impossible sometimes if you live on the East Coast. Um, but the question is, more pressure on the Warriors or the Kings, Jay, to win game two tonight? Pressure on – it's got to be pressure on the Kings just because you've got to protect home court, right? Like, you won game one. Uh, I also think it could maybe feel like – a narrative can be carved out if they lose the game too. So baseline, you want to win because you want to protect home court. You want to go over to Golden State, that dynastic group, and you want to play on their home floor up to nothing. You don't want it to be one game apiece going into Golden State because it'll feel like it's tilted in their favor. Beyond that, Sacramento proved game one. They're built for this. They're not a fluke. This best offense in the, in, in the NBA was no flukish thing during the regular season that wouldn't carry over. They had 126 points in that in that game one. They responded with punch-counterpunch to win and stare in the face of Klay Thompson and Steph Curry and win that game. To then turn around and respond and win game two says, yeah, we didn't get too high off of the first playoff game here in 16 years. We didn't just blow up in game one. That's all we had. And now we're just going to let you go take four games. It'd be a heck of a statement, too. So for that reason, I'd say Kings have the most pressure just in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. But now I feel like I'm on this Warriors. Like, the Warriors can't win on the road thing. And, yeah. like, just to get that monkey off their back, it feels like it would be instrumental in a round one series of this playoffs. Like, I agree with you. And what a better time because you're not really going on the road. You're taking a bus. Like, I don't know how yeah, far Yeah, but that environment, light the beam, of I mean, course. they get crazy no, you're there right. in you're, you're right. But, like, for the mentality of not having to, like, really – you don't even have to pack bags. They're taking buses there and back right after the game. Like, yeah, I just don't think that's the – I mean, travel definitely plays a role, but I, I think you're eliminating the travel. It's just the environment in which you're playing in, Shay. It could be literally across the street. But that environment for Sacramento and that brand, much like we saw during the Weber days, the Peja days, the Mike Bibby days, Bobby Jackson, that's what they channeled back to in 2006 – and it was about just the building itself, not about the miles between said organizations. I get, I guess. I just, for as awful as the Warriors have been on the road this year, to think that they, first of all, did we think after they lost, I don't know how many, 40, lost 40 games on the road this year, they were going to go into Sacramento and steal game one? Like, with that kind of environment? No. So for me, I feel like since that's been the biggest Achilles heel for this Warriors team, if they can get it done early in this postseason and not have to go to all these other destinations that have star power everywhere all over them, that might be something. So tonight, obviously, we'll see Warriors, Kings, what happens, which team has more pressure. Shannon, I see you're back. Shannon, and who do you think has more pressure in Game 2 tonight, Warriors or Kings? Who you got? Well, before we get into that, I have one bold prediction for not only Game 2, especially for Game 2, matter of fact. I was going to say the entire series, but especially for Game 2. Eric, hit the music. My uh, prediction tonight, uh, the Golden yeah. State Warriors will win and defend the honor and the good name of one E-40 who was escorted out of the arena there in Sacramento in Game 1. He won't be at the game tonight in Game 2. The Warriors will win in honor of E-40. Yeah, see, now here's my thing. First, I don't love that they told my man to go. 
because uh, that's a legend. And by all accounts, E-40 is a guy who doesn't try and create any attention or controversy, very respectful as well, all we've heard about him. So something's fishy there. But I don't know if they're going to go win the game when E-40 even said himself, I ain't going back there for game two. I would have believed that, Shannon, if E-40 is like, no, these suckers aren't going to keep me from coming to support my guys. I'm going to be right there. I'm, a, I'm not going to – there's no way I could get in any kind of trouble because I'm not listening to anybody, but I'm going to show up to support. He's not there. So I don't think that's going to be anything oh, that man. motivates these the guys. I'm going to shoot you down there, Shannon. I don't think E-40 is a motivating because force he do, Because for him. he doesn't want to take the attention. I appreciate <laughs> right. that he didn't want to come. No, I hear him. you. I, I will say this in terms of pressure in this game. I'll go back to, if you're going to be devil's advocate, Shane, what do you always say? Devil doesn't need an advocate. But let's just go ahead and and just disobey that that, uh, reigning belief of yours here and say this. (laughs) There is some pressure. Reigning belief of mine. There is some pressure here on Golden State because you don't want the confidence to keep building with Sacramento. Yeah, I agree. You want Sacramento to feel like, man, we can't really go beat Clay, Steph, and Dre again, right? Like, we got that one win, like – we, this is the Warriors. They're about to show us who they are. And I think if you see the Warriors come out and Clay Thompson says, I ain't going five for 14 while you throw a boxing one on Steph again, and Andrew Wiggins says, yeah, I played really great basketball for being off for two months, but I'm not going one of eight from three. Yeah. And Draymond's going to tighten up better on the backboards and defensively. They're going to be better rebounding. They're not going to foul as much. They're going to make those threes because it's who they've been, both volume and efficiency. And I think if you go into game two tonight and Clay is dominant along with Steph and the Splash Brothers return, mixing a little bit of Jordan Poole, Looney, and, and whomever else, if the Warriors make that kind of statement, and I think there is pressure for them to do that, this series looks wildly different as well. What do you think the line is? Did you look already? Uh, I did look, uh, but I guessed what it was. I figured the Warriors would be favored by a bucket. No, they're favored by two. So they're favored That's by two. That's a bucket. Oh, yeah, it is a bucket. <laughs> Excuse me. A bucket feels like one, but you're right. It is two. Favored by a bucket are the Golden State Warriors. Don't look at me like that. I just had a moment. <laughs> just give me a moment, okay? But Jordan will tell anyone that will listen, the play that he wants to make tonight is the over for Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson went 5 of 14 from three. He finished, I believe, with 21 points in game one. But he was so upset, so agitated with how he shot the ball. Furthermore, the questions he fielded post-game and the day after. Shot selection. The audacity for somebody to question a Warrior sharpshooter, an NBA legend like Clay Thompson, on the type of shots he takes. Yeah, yeah, 21. His response was, see, that's why I don't like talking to people who've never played the game. And I don't subscribe to that. I hate All that right. thought. Yeah, but it's out. the arrogance that came off of him. Like, how dare you question me? The competitor in Clay, that arrogance is going to blend bleed onto the court yeah. in game two. He's not only going to take those wild shots that he was criticized for, he's going to return to making them like he always has his entire career. Over 21.5 points for Clay Thompson, a lock. He averages about 22. He goes for 30 tonight. Okay, he goes for 30 tonight, says Jordan. He had 21 in game one, played 37 minutes, had six boards and a steal. Um, we'll see what happens tonight with Clay Thompson and those Warriors. Of course, they are taking on the Sacramento Kings. It's 10 p.m tit time as we get ready for game two in that series coming up we want to hear from you who needs to step up in game two and we're not talking about just this series we're talking about all the series who we looking at to have a better game two we'll talk about it next canty and carlin thanks for listening to the canty and carlin podcast you can listen to the show live weekdays from three to seven eastern on espn radio plus you can listen on the espn app canty and carlin the podcast